Buzzer Podcast. All music. Worldwide music started in local music scenes. Underground, independent, unsigned talent. Music you choose to hear, not the music mainstream tells you to hear. Hosted by Shay, the Buzzer Podcast is a Canadian broadcast connected to artists around the globe. Hey y'all, I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast. On Air Indie, from iPad to yours over the airways. Today on the show, lead guitarist and singer Sean Meehan from the rock band Trigger Mafia joins us. We talk music, spin, find a better way, and turn it up from the Brotherhood album, and talk censorship in music, current day, and lots of other things. This Vancouver band is a Canadian gem. Reminiscent of Triumph and Rush. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Enjoy the show. Get ready to rock. Cheers. Hi, today we are on the podcast with Trigger Mafia. It's a, a classic rock band out of Vancouver, Canada. And we're here speaking with the front man, Sean Mann. Hi, Sean. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Shay? Uh-huh. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. It's hard yeah, to I, snow today, so I'm not so cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where are you right now? What part of the world are you in? Uh, oh, about three and a half hours outside of Toronto, Canada. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, uh, well, I, I went to school in Toronto or in the Toronto area. I went to school um, in Etobicoke. So I know the area well. And I also played on the B circuit when I first, when I was a, you know, uh, going to music school and I was about 19, I played every bar you can think of in Ontario. <laughs> so I probably oh, know where you are. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. I, I used to live on the Kingsway. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah. if you're three hours north, are you sort of, uh, let me try to guess, uh, Are you? is it northeast, northwest, directly north? Oh, God, you're asking me. <laughs> Okay, okay, I won't guess. I won't okay. guess. It's the lower, it's the lower Central Wellington area. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know the yeah. area. Yeah, I've it's, got, I've got. Uh, my family um, is based out of Belleville. I've, my dad was born and raised in that in that area, so it's not too far away from there. Oh wow, that's yeah. awesome. My father's family were from there. Oh wow. Yeah. We might be we might be distance cousins or something. Uh, you never know. You never know. Apparently, yeah. some of my cousins look a lot like me, so you can know. So we're here to talk about your debut album called The Brotherhood. It was out yes. October twentieth this year. That's correct. Uh, incredible album. That's why I invited you on Thank the you. podcast. Thank you very yeah, much. I'm impressed. I definitely see your influences of uh, Russian triumph. Oh, wow. Thank you. Music. Definitely. Yeah. I, you know, before I read your bio and saw that, I was like, oh, my God, do they ever remind me of Rush? Wow, that's <laughs> then, really cool. Yeah. Then I read your bio and I went, oh, my God, I'm right. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. <laughs> I was cool. cool. So was it all of the band or different? Because in your bio, you say you come all from all walks of life. So that kind of leaves open a lot. Well, yeah, that's a pretty general statement. I mean, it just just means that we came from a whole bunch of different. We did different kind of gigs and and all that sort of thing. But um, I would say it's the whole band. I mean, we're we we all kind of grew up in that era of of you know we were little kids when Rush and Triumph and these bands uh, were big in their heyday, and um, I think for all of us actually, and I think it's just sort of subconsciously sort of rubbed off because when we went to do this record. Um, 
there was no intention behind it. There honestly was for the first time since my first, you know, high school band when, when all we did was just get together and try to learn songs and have fun. Um, this, it sort of happened again. It was sort of full circle where um, myself, uh, the bass player, uh, Jay Witter and the drummer, Rod Semft, who I've known a long time and played in various bands with, uh, we had just come out of a long run playing in a, in a country rock band. And the band, as a result of the pandemic and other circumstances, it sort of fell apart. And so okay. here we were, the pandemic had kicked in, had been kicking in for a few months. We had a big enough rehearsal hall where we could socially distance, you know, be in three corners of the room. And um, it was, it, we were going stir crazy. You know what I mean? Like we spent our whole lives playing music full time all the time. And then all of a sudden we're cooped up at home going bananas, you know, going crazy. And so we decided to get together uh, once or twice a week and ju we just called it rock and roll therapy. And we thought, you know, let's go back to our roots and let's, let's, um, let's just have fun and, and do whatever we want to do for the first time and not try to write a hit single and not try to do any of that stuff. And, yeah. um, um, and, and like I said, it originally started as rock and roll therapy and then it evolved into that album over a period of a year and a half. And, um, obviously we're, ha I'm heavily influenced by, I mean, I love Rick Emmett. I got to meet him, uh, Rick Emmett for triumph. I met him in music school. In fact, the head of the guitar department at Humber college um, was, was teaching Rick when he went to Humber college. So there was a connection there. I got to meet him, got to hang out with him. And really? so I, you know, he's and I remember the, he's, oh, part sorry? Of the Humber, he's part of the Humber college jazz program. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And, oh, and, wow. and, and, and it, him and the head instructor were um, became really good friends as a result of it. And so whenever he'd be re in recording sessions, he'd invite the instructor out. Peter Harris, he, he passed away, um, you know, a while back, but they became good friends. So as a result, he would invite him out to the class while I was going to school. So I got to meet him one on one, which is so cool. And, you know, when, when I, I, I remember um you know, I have my little high school jobs, uh, you know, and I'd be doing the late night stock boy at the local IGA and, and Rockline would come on. And I remember Triumph coming on uh -huh. and just listening to the interview while I'm stocking shelves, dreaming about being in a band, you know, or whatever. And all of a sudden, a few years later, I'm in college and I got to hang out with him. So that was a bit surreal. So, yeah, we're heavily influenced. I mean, we have a lot of influences, but I think we just wanted to dig a little deeper. We just wanted to like... Um, uh, dig into our early influences and and um, I, I don't know if it was intentional in the beginning to be honest with you I think it was just let's just have fun and see what happens and it's, it evolved into this so well you're putting out great tunes thank you great thank tunes. you very much well That's you know that, that that comes from I would say that comes from being in the country world for for a while because country music especially modern country is very song driven and so um, I'm glad That's I went through right. that. Like I started in rock, took a detour into country for about a decade and then came back. And I'm glad I did because it really taught me a lot about songwriting. So, yeah, well, let's talk about you've shared the stage you're open for yourself for Alan Jackson, Tim McGraw, Alana Miles, Aaron Pritchett. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I could go on and on. Yeah, the list is pretty big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, were you in? Uh, certain bands or did you where you worked just like yeah no just different original around? bands throughout the years you know okay. um where where i played a lot of festivals throughout my career and um you know developing bands you know that would get a song on the radio and then we'd get the first or second or third spot in a festival and um you know, I mean, the early spot, the afternoon, early evening spots. And so we got to really stand side stage. That's the perk of doing all these festivals is 
you get your little backstage pass and you can kind of hang out as long as you don't get in anyone's way or a nuisance, you know, they'll let you hang out anywhere. And a lot of times I'd sneak my way all the way up into the guitar pit, <laughs> you know, and stand right no there doubt. and watch, watch the band. And so, um, uh, yeah, it's been, it's pretty cool. You get, you get to learn a lot as you know, when you're developing and learning, you, you certainly, when you're that close to the headliners and get to check it out. So yeah, it's been pretty cool. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Very impressed. And one thing I want to point out that I thought was real cool because my one of my instruments is the viola. You took violin lessons. I did. Yes. Went, yeah, that's yeah. cool. As part of my well, I come from quite a musical family. Like my uh, on both sides of my family, um, uh, you know, my 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 grandmother on my mom's side, she was a, a, a Royal Conservatory trained piano. I think she had all the years. I think it was eighteen years or whatever it is, and she was incredible. And um, and so when I, and, and you know, just, just influenced by music all around. And then when I was in high school, um, there was the high school orchestra and I said, I'm going to join the orchestra. This is kind of cool. I was like 13 or 14. I'd already been playing guitar for a few years. And so I jumped right into it and it was <laughs> disastrous in the beginning, you know, my poor mom and, and my, and my brothers, you know, you know, sounded like I was torturing a cat in the basement when I was trying to learn to play this instrument. And then, uh, and then I ended up, I went to my mom and said, I need lessons if I'm going to catch up. So she, she, um, we got lucky. I didn't know who she was at the time or how grand, you know, how great she was. Um, a, a lady named Diana Glasgow. And she was for a brief time, um, the first, first violinist for the New York symphony orchestra. I can't remember what era, um, she was older at the time. So probably in the sixties or seventies or something. And, um, wow, did I ever, she really set me on my path to my musical journey. She taught, I had took lessons from her for about two years and, uh, it really helped my guitar playing It helped my technique and all that sort of stuff. Now I didn't keep it up, you know, being, being a teenager, um, I just thought it was cooler to play guitar than violin. So I did play it for a few years and then I just sort of just stayed focused on the guitar. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask you about how it influenced you. Yeah. Well, the, well, you know, the, 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 a lot of it was ear training because when you're playing, as you know, when you're playing a, a, um, a string instrument that has no frets on it, your ear has got to be dialed right in. You know what I mean? You have to really know where that note is and hear it. Um, and also technique. So, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're bending your wrist all the way around, you know, you're sort of, it's come, you've got to really bend that, uh, you know, when you watch any sort of fiddle player and when they've got it or a violinist and they've you got to be careful who you're calling that and you put it on their shoulder. You know what I mean? You got to bend your arm all the way around. So then when I, when I go back to playing guitar, I was like, Oh, this is easy. So it really helped my technique a lot. My, it trained my ear. And um, yeah, I decided me to really wish I would have kept it up, but I, I've just, I could, I could probably fake my way through it a little bit now, but uh, I just decided to, I, I'm sort of a very linear thinker. I tend to just focus on one thing and do it all the time. And so I chose the guitar and just, did that full time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's say I, I get that. I get that. I don't think I picked mine up for quite a few decades. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and tell me a bit about the band. You have Ron Sutt. Sen? Yeah. Rod Semft. Rod uh, Rodney Semft. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jay Witter. And then um, about a year, uh, Carl, fabulous keyboard player, uh, Carl Oysterson. He's actually in the studio here somewhere. Um, we were trying to set up that both of us on here, but uh, we couldn't get our technical, uh, uh, our technical side together here. So, but um, basically, yeah, it started. It, 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 the band just started the three of us. The, like I said, uh, Rod and Jay uh, were the rhythm section in the last band I was in for years, and and I've been basically playing with Rod and Jay on and off for decades, um, right oh, since our twenties. And um, 
essentially they're I, I, and I say this live at the shows, you know, I say, you know, the, the greatest rhythm section in the world. And, and that's how I feel about them. They're just incredible players, well-versed players. They're all, they're both um, music, uh, you know, um, university trained. Um, not that that is a big deal sometimes, but um, they're just all around great players and, and their influences are very similar to mine and they're open-minded to all styles. And then uh, Carl came along. It was interesting because when we were putting this record together or just recording the songs, um, a friend of ours, a uh, young player, really, really talented guy. He's actually part of our marketing team now. He's one. He's our social media guy, a guy named uh, Braden Williams. And okay. he's a really good keyboard player. So we would send him the demos and he would give us a bunch of different keyboard parts. And then, so a few of the songs would have keyboards. And, and we, I was just more interested in just creating for the sake of the song. I wasn't worried about who was playing or what it was playing. And then we started to realize after recording six, about half dozen songs, we thought, man, we need a keyboard player. We're going to need one. And and right around that time that I had that conversation, we didn't even bother running an ad. We didn't even literally a couple of days. I, I buy and sell gear as part of one of the things I do. And um, a guy had answered an ad to come and check out an amp I was selling. So he comes in, he plugs in, he's tinkering around. He can play guitar really well. I was like, Whoa, he goes, you're a guitar player. He goes, no, no, I'm actually a keyboard player. So he starts taking around. I went, wow. I said, you got to come here. And I played him find a better way, which is one of the first songs we recorded. And I turned mm-hmm. it up, cranked it. And he just looks at me, goes, I didn't, even before I had a chance to ask him, he looks at me, goes, I'm in. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And then basically that's how it came about. Like th- this whole project's been like that from the beginning. There, there's been this sort of um, flow to it, like very little effort, mm-hmm. just sort of, I mean, effort in a sense, where we we rehearse a lot and we write a lot and we, you know, there's, but I mean, that's, that's good. That's fun effort, but, but it just went, the pieces just kept falling into place at each move, you know, didn't have to look It just, and yeah, that's how he, that's how Carl came about. And then uh, he jumped in and joined the band and we started. So if you look on the record, sort of half the songs mm-hmm. are co-written by Carl as well, but those are the songs we wrote later. So if you want to know the ones we wrote early, they're the ones where it's just it's usually just Rod, Jay, and myself, and then the later songs is the songs that uh, where Carl's name's on there. And he was part of Turn It Up. Uh, he was part. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, sorry, which song? Turn It Up. Yes. Well, Turn It Up has a has an interesting history. If you look at it, it's the only song that doesn't have the rest of the band on there. It's the only song where it's only me, and that's because that song was written back in the late 2000s and I was in another band that was signed to a label Cordova Bay Records distributed by Universal and uh, had a whole different management team and um, we had recorded a bunch of songs released a record and Turn It Up was one of the singles and it did really really well it was released in Canada I think in 2008 or 2009 and it went top 30 it went top 30 on, on Canadian rock radio and then Soon after that, for political reasons and circumstances, the band fell apart. And I always felt that song never got its fair shake. And I always thought it it was just it reacts instantly when people hear it and when we played it live. And so as we're trying to build up songs, I said, guys, how do you feel about covering this song? How do you feel about if I bring this song that I wrote with these these other guys? And they said, yeah, let's do it. And so we did our own version of it. And in my opinion, the, the updated version is better than the original. So that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. I love it. Um, and we're going to play it right now.
that you know what? I actually, I really do love that song. It's, it's oh, a real you. party song, and uh, I listen to it early, early morning, five a.m. Oh, nice! And, <laughs> and it's I'm it's like, like it goes ah, by quickly. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? <laughs> we got to talk about the video. I, I I found it quite humorous. Well, that was like, that's I, a great. You know, at first, I but like you know when you first you're serious, you're looking at the video because I'm yeah, analyzing yeah. it. We're going. No way, that can't be a strong kit, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I started to see, okay, the, the and I started to, it was all farcical, right? But it yeah. was funny. I, I found it quite. I was oh, cool, video. cool. Well, it was interesting because we we had scheduled, we had scheduled to, um, the guy that does all, all our other videos, like like the video for um. Uh, what's the last video we just came out with with snowflake for example or some yeah, of the other videos gonna say you just put yeah. it up September yeah. 23rd yeah that's correct wow you did your homework and uh <laughs> and so so the guy who did that one was supposed to come out one evening at our at where, where you see that shoot is is my father-in-law's home he's got he's got three acres it's a really beautiful property we rehearsed there it's one like we we have a studio and in, in sort of closer to downtown which is called the mafia house which is where i'm talking to you from now um, and then we have we rehearse out in Langley, which is more out in the suburbs. And oh, we, and, this, and the weather was perfect. And, and the crew was on their way out and they get stuck in traffic and they're not going to make it like there was a big accident. And and the lower man, Vancouver is just a nightmare. You get one or two accidents. And you can't move for hours. And so we thought and my father in law had just gotten home and he's quite a creative guy. He used to play drums. And, you know, that's why we use his rehearsal hall. So I said. So we just ad libbed. I just grabbed that's done on my iPhone, by the way, that video. I said, here, take my iPhone. We're going to and, and we're going to we have these little toys kicking around. You know, we had that little amp and we just we just said it was all spontaneous. Let's just do it outside. Wait till the sun comes down a little bit more until the lighting's perfect. And we're just going to shoot for like an hour and a half. And that's what he did. He just grabbed my iPhone and we shot a whole bunch of footage and we ended up sending to that guy who never made it to the shoot and he ended up editing it. So um, it was a very fun, spontaneous, last minute. Uh, we don't take, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's sort, of, sort of one of my mottos is um, uh, no problems, only solutions. You know what I mean? So it's like we're not we're going to shoot a video tonight, whether that guy shows up or not. And that's what we did. And that's what we came up with. That's cool. I like that attitude. I like the attitude. No, it was, you know what? It was so different to the intensity of turn it up i was mildly happily surprised it was incredible i loved it oh thank you well that's kind of the whole point was was how can we not take ourselves seriously because it's the least in my opinion the least serious song on the record you know what i mean the rest of it is very has very deep topics and all these things and all of a sudden we got this boy meets girl boy goes party with girl turn it up you know what i mean it's a very it's the least serious so we thought well let's have a video that sort of reflects that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, let's switch to your series. We're going to talk about the next track that's going to be spun later, uh, Find a Better Way. Uh, it's about joining the movement, motivating people to listen. And uh, what's in there say? If we all just get along, then together we all can stand We can stand all stand strong. strong. Absolutely. It, it was amazing lyrics. Yeah, it, thank you. Thank you. So well, what was the motivation behind it? Was it the BLM uh, movement or was it just what's going on in the world and how nobody's really sinking? Yes and yes and yes and yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it was it was a combination of well, it was a combination of here we are, we're 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 in Canada, we're locked down, we can't go anywhere, we can't do anything. Uh-huh. We're doing our rock and roll therapy. And my stepfather, a wonderful man, he's still around. And um 
Neil Hood, I love you if you're listening. Um, my stepfather used to always say, you know, because I I used to go to him. You know, if I if I was in times of trouble or whatever, I would even as an adult, I just go visit him. And he says, Sean, put it in the songs. Put it in the songs. Use the songs okay. for therapy. Was and he so, a musician? Absolutely. Yeah, he's the reason why I play guitar. There's no oh, he gets 110 percent credit for that one. I mean, he came along in my life when I was my mom had met him when I was 11 years old. Um, and him and my stepbrother, his son, uh, who was a bit older, both played guitar. And I was like, Whoa, I'm like 11 years old. And my brother's like 14. And, and, you know, so my stats, and I just, I was blown away. And I just, you know, he had long hair and a beard. I mean, I still have long hair and a beard to this day because of that. I just, he, he's just, he was, um, you know, he has this saying, you don't always get what you want, but you always get what you need. And he came, he came in my life, um, you know, I really needed that. I really needed him. And, and he was there in the very formative years. You know what I mean? You know, I was that's the 11th... Rolling Stones song. Oh, I know. I know that. it is. I know it is. But <laughs> but he used to always remind me of that. He used to always yeah. say, you know, you don't always get what you want, but you, you do always get what you need. Yeah. And, and you know, he that's would remind cool. me of that. And and I thought, OK, that's super cool. And um, of course, I found out later it was a Rolling Stones lyric, but he whatever. But <laughs> I'm a little kid. So but but yeah, no. And, and it's it's a good. Tr- it's It's really true. And so. Um, from 11 to 15, he, uh, he was, he was my mentor. He was my dad. You know, he still is my dad. I still consider him my dad and he really influenced me. And he was, um, he was a hippie, you know, from that era and a very, uh, peaceful guy, very loving guy. And, um, he really uh, taught me a lot about music and philosophy and all these sort of things. So anyways, going back, I digress here, but going back to that sort of way of thinking. So here, here we are, we're in Canada, we're in lockdown. There's political upheaval all around the world. You know, there's just all kinds of crazy things going on. And and we sort of felt helpless. You know, here we are sitting in our yeah. in Canada. I and and so we, well, let's write about it and let's let's um put it in a song, as my stepdad would say. And so we sat or I had the sort of the meat and potatoes of it, but I, I would sit down with the guys. I tend to sort of take the lead. I'll have an idea for a song, and then when I get stuck, I sit with them and I go, Hey guys, like can you help me with the second verse? And we, we would just spitball and, and then that's sort of, or the bridge or whatever. And, and that's the song that came out. And it's interesting because that's the first, we put that, that song out as a single last year, last fall. Mm-hmm. And it got 40,000 views on YouTube organically. Like we didn't pay for any boosts. We didn't, we did a little bit of press, you know what I mean? And we did a little bit of, um, you know, some promo on it, but it just sort of kind of had this. Uh, and what's, what's kind of a drag is, is so we, 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 we now have a social media team and we're on the label and all these things. So the, 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 the guy who runs this marketing firm at Webacom, they're called, he goes, Oh, we got to boost this man. There's already 40,000 views. We got to, so he goes to boost it and somebody flags us and we can't, we can't even now when you go click on the video, there's a warning that comes up. Yeah, uh, some, some images that. may, may be offensive. And I was like, what? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a centrist type of song. It's encouraging peace and love. So I don't know. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's the story behind that song. Well, you can't dictate the, what is it called? The fact checkers or the, well, I think the, the, social it, media, I don't know where they get their, but it, but isn't that isn't that hence that's the irony of the song isn't it yeah, it's like yeah it's, it's i just crazy. went what i you know? i can't see it because when i saw it i thought okay maybe there's something you know violent or whatever i didn't see anything no it's bizarre it, to it, me it, it's it well, was not it was almost a bizarre george orwell type of absolutely like, I, I was like are you for real this is history 
Absolutely. Well, let and me. I, like, it's yeah. almost like, yeah, and I'm really into that, you know, don't uh, censor. I don't believe in censorship. Same here. Well, let's go down this road for a second. Yeah. Let's let's go down this road. Let's go down the rabbit hole just for a minute, if you don't mind. No. So no. we, I have a song that's encouraging everyone to get along. Yeah, that kind of rhymes. Okay. <laughs> Why would they want to censor that? That only leads me to believe that they want us to be divided. That that's the only thing yeah. I could think. Of. I just went, whoa, this is weird. Like that would have never been censored dead ten years ago, or, no, or never. And, and never in our. I mean, I mean, never in our lifetime. I've been following politics since I was a kid. Since I would say since the Reagan era when I was a, I was a kid and, and I've been, I've just, I've been a fan of politics. I've been watching it. I've, have you ever seen our world as divided as it is now? I, I don't think I have. And Never. that's why I wrote this song. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's interesting. I can see why you wrote that song and, and you're right. Um, it is divided. And I, a lot of it, I feel if I can just go a bit off topic sure. is that, um, History isn't taught in schools. It's suppressed. Absolutely. Reading literature is censored and suppressed. They don't have Catcher in the Rye. They don't have uh, 1984. And there's a list of other eye-opening books that actually, when I was a young child, it made me develop critical thinking. Yep. Right. And, yep. and because of that lack of it, I don't blame the younger generation. Nope. I blame I blame the bureaucrats that are putting in place educational policies. You want to know the truth. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You, you've just nailed it. You've just nailed it. I don't often go down this road, but but, you know, I try I. I my politics are very centrist. I try to stay down the middle as much as I can. Yeah, you know, I have some, I'm a, I'm a businessman. So I always say I have some conservative views, but I'm also, I have progressive views as well, you know? And mm-hmm. so I try to be centrist, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's uncanny how George Orwell predicted this. It's uncanny. When you go back, I went it's back uncanny. and it gives you me look at yeah, like me too. I remember. I remember a little while ago. I, I said, you know, I'm going to go watch 1984. I'd watched it a long time ago, and the opening scene scared me. I'm watching, and there's arrows everywhere, and they're being told where to walk, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, this looks awfully familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 um yeah, you're right. It, and and I'm hoping maybe through the music, we can wake up some people. My 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 goal at this point is to just. Um, just try to wake up as many people as I can through the music, through the I message, through, through these kind of conversations, you know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, yeah, it was that. And what was the movie I watched again? Um, I watched a lot of movies that I shouldn't have at a young age. Logan's, <laughs> Logan's Run. Oh, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I want to write that oh, down. you got to watch it. It's, it. it's uncanny how they called the future in that. Uncanny. It's an old Well, old it makes movie, you wonder sometimes if they're, if they're warning you too, in some weird sort of way, Logan's running. I'll write that know. down. Logan's yeah, run. Logan's I'm writing it down run. in my notes. Yeah. I can say it. It's, it's, it's old. Yeah. But it, it's uncanny. It's uncanny. Yeah. yeah. And it was chilling because just just before this whole COVID thing hit, we we my husband and I watched it, and it was like we we're like, whoa, this is weird. Well, you know what I'm yeah. watching tonight. <laughs> yeah, very cool, very cool. So we're gonna spin, find a better way right now. Excellent. Small. 
like it would a song Twisted timelines in my face that I could not erase And I started to worry for us all I was blind but now I see that none of us will feel peace Till the black, white, brown, the yellow man can live as one So I will fight and I will crawl even if it means I lose it all And I will never rest until we all get it done Look inside yourself
So one of the songs I wanted to feature on the podcast tonight, but we, we didn't have time, was Snowflake. Can you tell me a bit about that? Because oh, I, it's an incredible yeah. song. Incredible yeah, well, song. thank you. It's 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 um. <laughs> so so now we're kind of in the second batch of songs, and, and well, no, we're near the end of the first batch. So we got a bunch of songs going on, and now we're in writing mode. Now we've got something. We've written a couple of songs, and we're like, yeah, let's keep going. This is great, and. And and let's do an EP. And you know, we actually went out and registered the name of the band, and this is getting real. We brought it to our manager. He's getting excited. Manager of the last band, and so um, Clyde Hill, if you're listening, he's the best. We love him. Anyways, um, so Snowflake was just we were we were. It was actually drummer and I were sitting outside, and we kind of came up with these riffs and this fun stuff. And then we would go inside, and we we wrote the music. We're like chiseling out, and, and then I I thought, you know, I love archetypal. Um, archetypal writing like archetypal stories you know um mm-hmm. where where it's general do you know what i mean uh, yeah. and uh and uh, you know the bible does that. a lot of different scriptures do that you know they'll they'll tell the story of a particular character that may or may not have existed but you're supposed to learn from that character you go oh okay i get it okay that's why that guy went through this or whatever so i thought you know and 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 um and just being frustrated at the younger generation like i don't blame them i don't i don't um uh, I'm not mad at them. Like, and if you really listen to the lyrics to Snowflake, I'm not mad at the self fake. I'm just, it's an observation. And um, I blame society. I blame their parents. There's a lot of, but I don't blame them. And in fact, in fact, I'm empathetic to them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I just want to give you a big hug. And because if you watch our video, there's this character who's a snowflake, but at the end, he's rocking out with us. It's like, come on, man, you can do whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Come out of your shell, get out of your basement and let's, yeah. you know, uh, so now that message I, comes across. Yeah. And so, so I decided, you know, I'm going to write about a snowflake and you can feel the anger when I'm singing too, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I never thought it was one of those moments where I never thought it would be a single. I thought, oh, this is so offensive. It'll just be one of those B tracks that deep into the album or deep into whatever. And maybe we'll goof around at some point and do video. And so when we, when we licensed the record, we hadn't had all the songs yet. So through a contact, uh, a label in Europe got interested in, in the band. But they said, you know, you have too many instrumentals. At the time, we had four instrumentals and six vocal songs. I said, okay, we're going to, he goes, you send me a few more vocal songs and I'll, I'll license your record and I'll help pay for the marketing and all that. I was sure. So we go back in the studio, we do all that. So anyways, we we do this deal. Snowflake was already one of the early songs. So we do this deal and he goes, "Uh, part of the deal, guys, I need you to provide me with one video. I said, well, we do videos for every song. So sure. Not a big deal. What do you want the lead single to be? So that we've done the deal. We're getting ready. We've hired the publicist. We're doing all these things. What do you want the first single? To be? And I thought for sure it's going to be four or five other songs. The last song I thought he would say was Snowflake. He goes, I want to do Snowflake. I said, what? Are you sure? Are you, aren't you worried about us getting canceled or canceled culture? Or He goes, he just stops. He, he, we're doing a Zoom meeting because he's in Europe. He goes, it's rock and roll, man. It's supposed to be controversial. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, uh, and it's doing really well. The video is doing quite well, actually. It's, it's um doing well both on YouTube and and on Facebook and um uh and yeah, the video turned out I great. I thought Braden, our social media guy and videographer and editor, uh he did a great job with that that video. I thought yeah. uh, he captured the essence and the magic of the song. So yeah, go check it out. I, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh cool. <laughs> I did. I watched it on it was on your Facebook. Oh awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's why I knew that the video came out September twenty third. Oh there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I love the song. And he's right. Rock and roll should be controversial. Why not? I agree. It's lost that essence in a lot it of did. ways. It's, it's, it's too safe kick now. Some ass. That's Damn right. I, that's the reason I loved it as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I loved it because of the energy. Yeah. But because of the camaraderie. Yeah. And um, just a, a zest for everything that's big and large and that makes people connect. Absolutely. Like it, it's incredible. Well, it connects to your inner child. It connects to your spirit. It connects to mm. freedom. And I think that's why rock and roll in the 60s uh, was threatening to the establishment. I think that's why they've tried to put the Rolling Stones in jail, even though they yeah. weren't successful, thanks to their following. But you know what I mean? It's It's got that sort of it 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 breaks all the rules and it was supposed to. And um and and you you say camaraderie. It's interesting. I'm gonna do a little segue here. We we did a song called The Brotherhood, which is which is my favorite song on the record. And it's a that's tribute to Yeah, it's the name of your album. That's right. And so speaking of camaraderie, uh, you know, the, the brotherhood. And yeah. so um I just wanted to basically um uh encourage that you know what i mean i could say the sisterhood but there's four of us four guys so i can't say that you know what i mean so it's just more the message <laughs> of just coming together being brothers and sisters um yeah. you know tribute to that and and less about the negative stuff you know what i mean so yeah well, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and how did you come up with trigger mafia the only reason it came to my brain yeah. This is sometimes in a war humor. Uh, you said brotherhood, and I'm looking at the screen, and I see I saw mafia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, the reason for that—that's a good question. So, when we knew things were getting real, we'd already written some songs. We started recording. We didn't have a band name yet. And we yeah. thought, "Hey, our manager likes this. Looks like this is going to turn into something real." Um, you know, we've been around for a while, right? We've been playing for God, I would say, twenty years at least. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and so we, we were, even though we're a new band, we're, you know, we're not a bunch of 20 year olds. So we thought, well, let's, what's, what's a name that gives us that sort of states elder statesman kind of vibe without being too bureaucratic and, you know, whatever we thought mm -hmm. mafia and we're all fans of mafia movies and all that stuff. I thought, yeah. yeah. And then what's a way that we can be a little rebellious and get people thinking and thought, let's be the trigger mafia you know, trigger people. Let's, let's get people thinking again, sort of thing. And that's sort of how we came. And it's got a nice ring to it. And, and um, it's incredible. Yeah. And then, and then uh, if you look at the logo, yeah, um, it's, it's, I don't know how to say the word. It's, it's, it's almond or an omen symbol. It's a Celtic. It's, it's inspired from an, a Celtic symbol that I believe uh, represents peace and hope and sort of that sort of thing. So there's that hidden, even though we're trying to trigger people, even though, you know, you know, we, we use the term mafia and all that sort of thing. It's mm -hmm. all tongue in cheek. And really at the end of the day, we just want to encourage um, peace and love. And, you know, uh, we want everybody, what's, what's that lyric you quoted at the beginning? Uh, if we all just get along, then together we can all stand strong. There you go. There's our, you, you've just helped mm -hmm. us create our motto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, you wrote the lyrics to what I quoted, just right. Well, there you go. Yeah, but now you, but you, uh, you helped me uh, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you figure out what incredible. our motto is. <laughs> that's incredible. That's incredible. So it's your typical creative process, like working with the band together to develop where a song goes. Yes, in the beginning, in the very beginning of this project, um, it was just jamming. It started with music. It was just like, okay, what do you got? Oh, I'm playing a chord and you're doing this and we've got a groove and we would just create these what I call musical um, canvases that we could write lyrics and melodies over top of. So that's how it started. 
Mm-hmm. And songs like The Brotherhood was like that, where I wanted to write. I remember seeing an interview with Jim, Jimmy Page, and he talked about how he wrote and produced um, Stairway to Heaven. And J- um, Jimmy Page comes from the studio world, and, and so do I, actually. I did a lot of studio work, and I've done, I've done a lot of writing for other people, and I, I produce artists as well. And, and the one thing, an old mentor of mine, uh, John Dexter, who was quite a successful songwriter, producer, he said, the music's got to sound like a hit before you even sing on it. It's got to feel like a hit. And that's what Jimmy Page was trying to do with Stairway to Heaven. He'd already written that sort of epic journey, all that music, before Robert Plant came in and even started putting any melodies on it. It's all, it was all written out, this big, long, four or five-minute journey. And that's what I tried. That's Well, that's, that was my goal with The Brotherhood. I already had written all the music and all the chords and everything. And then my goal was to tell a story. So, um, so the first part of the record is more like that, was more just creating these canvases, these musical canvases that we could – uh, create melodies and lyrics over top of. And then, yeah. and then later on it became, it, it was more, um, what do you got? I got a riff. Okay, cool. Let's put it together. Or um, uh, I'm just trying to think of the later songs here. I'm looking at the list again to try to remember. Um, I guess most of the record was like that. Now that I think about it, it was more just, um, that's why it truly is a brotherhood. It's truly is four guys writing together. And even the later member, Carl, when he comes along, from day one, he was invited right into the writer's circle and he played a huge role in writing the songs that he's got his name on. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Cool. So the answer, that's the long answer is yes. We wrote together as a band. <laughs> well, that's great. It was yeah. great. It was great. I love that your Canadian band kicking ass. Thank you. I, I didn't know until you came on air that you're close to Langley. Yeah. 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 We're, we're great. Can- we're Canadian, eh? <laughs> yeah. no, my roommate from university lives in Langley, DC. Oh, right on. Yeah. Did you go to Trinity? Um, Is that the. No, she grew up in Toronto area. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but okay. she's now out in Langley. She keeps telling me to come visit. So if I ever do, I'm going to catch one of your local gigs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a nice area. It's a really, really nice area. Oh, here. yeah. And yeah. unlike Toronto or wherever you are, northern northern Ontario there, there's no winter here. I mean, what they call winter, it makes me laugh because, you know, you always know when someone's from here is they complain about the rain. I never complain about the rain. I never complain. I'm wearing shorts and it's, you know, November or, or yeah, February it's and it's plus five out and it's raining. I'm like, I'll gladly wear a raincoat instead of shovel snow any day. <laughs> yeah. No, we get a lot of snow. We yeah. get a lot of snow. <laughs> I'm not into the igloo lifestyle. My husband is. But. The igloo lifestyle. Yeah, my mom <laughs> was too. I never understood that. My mom, I remember coming out here as a kid and I just, I'd, I'd, I'd found, um, um, I'd found, um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, paradise. You know, was, I remember how old was I? I was just a little kid. It was one of my earliest memories. I remember getting off the train station in Vancouver. I'm like, what? there's no winter what's going on, <laughs> you know? And I fell in love with it. And I remember moving back when I was 11 and I was so mad. I was like, Oh, I'm going to grow up. I'm coming back out here. But my mm-hmm. mom didn't like it. My mom loved the winter. So I was like, what? How, yeah, how can some you? <laughs> people some people do. My husband does. Yeah. Husband they just, does. Yeah. yeah, just, no, I'm good. I'm That's good. I don't mind. Just send me a postcard. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. And the igloo, the igloo reference, I won't go into it, but it basically surrounds my husband around the age of 20 on March break. And there was a bunch of women that 
uh, blondes from North Carolina. He convinced uh, that Canadians lived in igloos. Long story, very funny. But <laughs> whenever we talk yeah. about winter, yeah. we talk about igloos. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. There really isn't any. You know, it's like, what? No, what? I know. I know. <laughs> it's such a goofy stereotype, eh? So what's next for the band? Um, well, we just did a uh, um, we just last week did a, a live our, for our debut live show. We streamed it online because we had focused in the last year, uh, obviously, because there wasn't any gigs to do in the last year or so. I mean, gigs are opening up now. So we 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 yeah. kind of built our audience online. So we so if, if if your audience wants to go check it out, you can go to our Facebook page, scroll down. You can see our live show. We did a, an hour and 15 minute live show. It's recorded now. It's Facebook live. Um, now, the next step is uh, well, that's a good question. We're going to find that out tomorrow. We're having our first rehearsal after the live show, which was last week. And we're going to okay. sit down and uh, there's a few things we got to focus on. I know we're working on a probably a BC Alberta tour in the new year, probably somewhere in, in late winter, early spring. Um, we have to start working on the next record. Uh, the, 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 this new world of music is very content driven, you know? And so, um, you know, uh, we're going to put out a few more videos until the spring summer, but we're going to need mm-hmm. another album in the summer. So we're going to go back into writing mode. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. We're going to keep do you writing like that new way. I do actually, I do. It's, it's, um, it's definitely a lot more work because uh, I've been in bands, I would say, since the 90s. Right. So so the, the, you can see the evolution. You know what I mean? In, in some ways, the work is harder, but it's easier to gain a following, too. So there's pros and cons to um, back in the 90s. It was very, um, uh, very uh, gatekeeper driven, you know, unless you got you got past a few gatekeepers, you weren't getting anywhere where nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're willing to work hard and and learn the social media game, you can build a following. You can build a small business, and you don't need the gatekeepers in a lot of ways. So, yeah, um, but but it's a lot more work. Like we literally have a social media guy on staff as part of our organization, Trigger Mafia Enterprises. I pay him monthly to make sure that the content is going out every day. We don't miss a post. We post every day uh, to help us develop the content, to help us edit the content. That's the same guy who shoots the videos, which is really convenient. Um, so yes, it's a lot more work that when you're constantly, it, you rarely, you don't get to, what I find is, is you don't really, get, it, it's t- difficult to enjoy the journey because you're constantly thinking about tomorrow, the next week, the next month, and then you're always going, 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 going kind of thing. Um, uh, so, so, but yeah, I mean, I love creating music anyway, so I don't mind. I'm not afraid to work. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So where is the best channel to find you? Would it be Facebook for everything? Well, just go to triggermafia.com and then it has every avenue, every, every platform that we're on. There's a link to it. There's our merch page where you can buy our our merch and our CD. Um, We're still selling advanced uh, advanced copies of the CD. Um, We're signing it and sending it out. We're we're selling it for quite cheap. It's only $10 a CD. And um, there's a bonus track on there as well that you can't get online or anywhere else. Uh, interestingly enough, the song is called Horse, Horse Head in Your Bed, a little tribute to hot mafia movies. And um, uh, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, and you, you can get anywhere from there. Go to Facebook. You can go to YouTube. You can, you know, we do a weekly vlog on YouTube. It was, I think we've put yeah, out 20 I saw episodes. That. Yeah. I saw that. yeah, we put out 20 episodes. If you want to know what's going on behind the scenes, you can see, you can check that out. If you want to check out our videos, you can go to YouTube or Facebook. Uh, but I would say we predominantly have focused on Facebook mostly. That's sort of where our audience has been um, gathering. And yeah, then hopefully, I'm yeah. So there you go. 
Yeah, very cool. I really enjoyed the chat. I really enjoyed chat. You're incredible. Thank you. Incredible band. Um, Thank you. And I wish you all the success in this album because you definitely deserve it. Thank you so much. And thanks for being prepared and asking cool questions. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun chat. I believe in doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. It was a great uh, interview. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I love your band. Love the Thank music. You. And going down the rabbit hole was uh, very enjoyable. So yep. thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really enjoyed our chat. You guys are great. Incredible music. And I wish you all the best for the album because you deserve it. Thank you so much. And thanks for your support and uh, helping out uh, ind- independent music. It's been yeah. an honor to be on this chat. Oh, thank you. Have a good night. Bye. All the best. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the Buzzer Network. Sponsored by Buzzroll Media. Thank you to the artists who share their music. Our shows wouldn't happen without their music. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter for showtimes and updates. Subscribe at thebuzzerpod.com. Fans and artists can submit their requests to Shay at thebuzzroll.com. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.